Attention human, prepare yourself for the double pip cast. Welcome back to the Double Pipcast, where almost every week we catch you up on the goings on with the Transformers trading card game universe. As always, you got your host Cam, as well as co host Brandon. All too easy. And Sean. Sub nerds. And this week we're going to be catching up uh, where we left off last episode talking about piloting decks and also uh, who shot first. This game seems to be one of the games where who goes first, who goes second, that turn order that uh, is decided before before the game starts is is super important. But before we get into that, um, you know, let's catch catch people up on what we've been doing, what we've got going on. Uh, Brandon, anything new and exciting in your world? Uh, not too much new and exciting. The COVID in Florida here is spiked up, but um, you know, as always, I gotta gotta make the donuts. So mm-hmm. we still plugging away at the job while maintaining social distancing and we've mandated at my job that everybody of course wear face masks now so you know that's even more you know brow beaten into you know like mm-hmm. hey where's your face mask where's your face mask right. and that's that's pretty much it haven't been able to go out here and hit these streets like you know you'd like to because uh, they had opened up Florida and then looks like they're closing that back down. They're like, Hey, too many cases, you know, calm it down. So the bars and stuff are not the you know, bar or restaurants, right? The restaurants and stuff like that are, you know, doing whatever they can to make sure, you know, people can't go in. And then some of them are closing, you know, cause it depends yeah. on size. So, yeah, the wife uh, is a dental hygienist and one of the, you know, those guys that like think they're really cool, like old school guys came in. They said, of course, you have to wear a mask. And he came in with like a masquerade mask on, just like nice. trying to start a fight, basically. <laughs> uh, so classy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been four months now, almost a little bit, a little bit less than four months since uh, everything went down. So. It's a new way of life. Sean, anything new with you besides making that bread? No, just making the bread. Still playing Legends of Rogue Terror since I can't play anything else, which is pretty cool. They added a little new mode in that, so it's it's a fun little mode, and it's just like uh, uh, League of Legends. The ARAM, that's my favorite mode on League of Legends, and this one's kind of like the same. You only get four random champions. What's the mode called? So. It's called A-Ram. Oh, it's called A-Ram. All random. Okay. Yeah. All random, all mid. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they've released that in the past couple of days. It's pretty fun. So it's keeping me entertained until I can play some Transformers. Some. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I finally, I've been opening up Runeterra every day to get my like login rewards, and I've been playing a couple AI games just to get my bearings back and try to understand what's going on. Uh but uh, speaking of card games, we're, we're here to talk about the Transformers TCG, and last week, uh, a little bit over a week ago, on last episode, we talked briefly about piloting decks, and uh, when we say piloting, of course, we're talking about uh, taking a deck and making it do what it wants to do, uh, identifying the win condition, whether you're the person who built the deck, hopefully you know what it needs to do to win, or if you just... Uh, or playing a buddy's deck, or, or you know how how a pilot can take a deck and quickly realize what the win condition is, and um, take a, a a bad deck to good maybe, and a good deck to better, and a meta deck uh, they won't lose. That kind of that kind of idea. So he's being nice. We're talking about net decking people, <laughs> net decking, and the brewmasters out there. That's what we're talking about. So I might have a great idea, right? Like, I I really like, you know, talking about Jank, I like uh, Sergeant Hound and trying to get as many upgrades on him as possible and, uh, you know, just doing some silly stuff with him. And, you know, I may think of that and, like, not have any luck with it, but I might be able to give it to somebody who's, um, you know, always, always... uh, thinking one step ahead watching the other the opponent's cards really really closely and they they could take that deck to the next level um so 
Brandon, I'll pass it to you. You know, what are your thoughts on on piloting? Uh, how important is it, um, and so on? So being a being a pilot, um, you know, from my experience, not that I'm a pilot, right? So being a pilot to me means taking a deck, uh, mainly in the meta, mainly a tier, you know, a tier deck, a, a deck that's already been flushed out and performed, and then piling it to victory, right? Uh, the thing that, you know, and th- there's the great debate, right? Net deck versus originality or homebrews or brewmasters, right? There's some people who are, like Cam said, very good at understanding the intricacies of interactions and the timing. And typically they'll do better at brewing their own decks, right? And then there are the people who aren't interested in building that and they want to pilot decks, but they are ultra attuned to uh, timing and knowledge of other people's decks. To be a pilot, you really need to know what the deck is trying to do, what strategy that it's trying to impose on the other player and be able to successfully do that, knowing the interactions, knowing the rulings, right? Knowing all of those things. And it's, it becomes more complex when the, when a, the deck isn't linear. Like if it has a thing that it does, you know, a trick or timing type situation, or it, it's not intended to play cards one after another. You you have to hold on to certain cards until you get a certain uh, hand that you like instead of just, you know, dumping all those cards. All of those are aspects of being a pilot at successful level at meta, you know, events that are so important. And, you know, I think that it's, it's one of those things where, um, if you you can't just pick up a deck and win, right? So somebody, you know, can say, hey, this is the best deck in the format and then give it to what's me, right? So now Brandon has this deck. I haven't practiced with it. I haven't played with it. I kind of know what's going on and can lose every matchup when you give it to, you know, Cam or Sean or Estot or whoever, right? And they're going to be like, okay, I know everything about this deck, and I also know everything about the deck my opponent is trying to play, or I know the, the strategies to, to propose against it. So all that's to say, you know, being a pilot isn't as easy as some people think, make it out to be, or, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated. It's a skill that you have to practice with and, and pay attention to. Um, you can't just pick up most decks, especially nonlinear ones, and be successful with them, right? Unless they just have overpowered craziness running around. One, uh, a one trick. Hey, this thing is just broken, and it you know wipes everything and all that jazz. So yeah, and there's and there's limitations to it, right? I mean, yeah. the you can't take the starter deck to a competitive event and expect to win. You can't. That's why uh, it was such a contentious point last year at the uh, Energon Invitational with sealed play in a competitive environment. That's no matter how good of a player you are, you can get knocked out if the cards aren't right. You know, sealed play, man, sealed play is, um, in my opinion, probably the most skill intensive format. Right. And there is luck involved. You know, no matter what, there's definitely luck because you can get garbage packs, right? But the highest level of skill, I think, in playing in any card game is cracking open those packs and making design choices based on limited availability and information. That way, if you're successful, uh, if you're uh, successful consistently, then that shows that you have an understanding of not only what's in the format, uh, what to what to draft, and what strategies are viable in the format. And that's very important. That, I think that is the most skill intensive part of being, you know, pilot and playing any card game that I've played so far. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, sealed is a different beast too. So you know, I, I don't. I I can see why some people are like, oh, why do we have you know sealed tournaments and competitive events is like well i've been playing sealed tournaments competitively for 25 years so you know this is nothing new so you know but 
you know, it's also the, the, as, as you know, I put in my videos and everything, I think the, the, the sealed environment is probably also the most skill intensive. So you may get, you know, just a whole bunch of common cards, but there's a lot of cool common cards out there. And if you got a little lucky with some, you know, some uncommons or commons in your packs and knowing, you know, if it's all sealed where everyone's doing, you know, the, the same sets or if everyone's being able to mix and match, you know, so, you know, a lot of that comes into play of building your deck and, also knowing probably what your opponent has too and you know someone may get a super rare you know some of the super rares are you know godly but you know they they do some of them do maybe require one or two good cards to be able to really work well with sealed you know so it it, it all comes down to when it comes down to just net decking and piloting and stuff like i mean i i agree with brandon there i mean you can't really you know always even the most skillful player just can't take a deck they've never really seen or really seen played or anything and then expect to win with you know so i you know i think that all comes down to that too and and really it, it whenever the deck building side of it you know they're the ones that know every little tick every little timing because even in some of the big decks you know the you you've got to know when to to play that when to flip him when to do this combo and all of that and you miss that you know one of those on one turn and that you know probably blew the whole deck right and and put you at a disadvantage for you know probably a turn or two uh, i've done that before just you know i've made kind of janky decks it's like oh dang it i forgot to do that so you know, even even the people, when even the people who are building the you know, the janky decks or the big net you know big meta decks and everything, you know even they're gonna you know forget that you know little point even at a crucial moment. So you know even just giving somebody that deck, they're not gonna have you know if if the big guys are doing it too, they're definitely gonna do it a lot. Yeah, what's what's awesome about you know decking or learning you know the new playing journal is like the the card choices as a pilot to understanding those card choices and making those uh making those decisions because you can absolutely make some changes and i've seen that you know time and time again where uh people you know have you know make make pull out one card for another card and all this stuff but the problem with that is since you're not the one who built the deck to the to interact with itself you know to know the physics if you will i like to use that term right the physics of of the deck then you are at a disadvantage when it comes to making them card choices and understanding when certain things have to happen right knowing when you've won and when you've lost oh man that that that'll get you you know you'll miss no. those miss those interactions you know now, now I'll throw in something that's totally different from when I was, you know, playing and everything. The early internet, we didn't have, you know, tons of podcasts and channels taking those net decks and playing them against each other for, you know, a couple of hours on end on YouTube. That way, you know, even the skilled players or the novice players can see these decks, see how they're played, see how they interact and things like that. I mean, I remember back in the day, it's like, oh, here's a list of the cards. Oh, okay. So, you know, and you might get maybe a little three or four sentence, you know, description on the on the message board of, oh, do this and this and this. It's like, oh, okay. Was this around for, was this around like the, um, the scry time frame? Oh, yeah. <laughs> dating myself here dating all of us really but that yeah. scribe man they had them articles or whatever they might drop mm -hmm. a deck list in there you know give you a little little something something uh you know, chew on for like a month exactly oh here's the here's oh, the pro yeah. tour winner for this year here's the yeah. deck and oh, everyone makes that deck's like what <laughs> but but you know today it's totally different so you know i mean even a novice player can get, especially these days, everyone, with, because of the COVID, you know, you, you look on the YouTube channels, everyone's doing play, 
videos and everything with these big with the decks and everything and coming up with the the new metas and everything on their own so it's a lot easier to net deck for novice players but but i also think there's a big advantage for the skilled players watching these you know uh net decks and everything being played because they can see how these decks work they can see okay these are the three main decks that are in here this is my deck now what do i need to sideboard to defend against these decks so you know they're for the skilled players net decking is really good just for for, for that aspect and then you know for the novice players you know they even these days like i said it, it's a lot easier for them to to do so to do that but still you know they're still until they get into that environment where they're actually playing when the adrenaline's pumping and you know your your mind's racing and everything you're you're still going to make those mistakes call this the rona meta <laughs> yeah webcam meta <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 tough to say that what the meta is with such a a small we we talked about this when we talked about jank just a, such a small sample and you know then we become our own echo chamber right where we're saying mm-hmm. sky shadow and somebody and that's, <laughs> that's the meta um do you do you pilot decks do you you know grab a grab a net deck list and pilot or do you mostly brew oh i i just make my own like it'd be it'd be different if i was preparing for something where there was money on the line but mm-hmm. i i'm not uh, you know, I'm not going to pro play tour anytime soon, and I'm not playing against anybody for any sort of reason. Um, you know. Well, so. I'm not talking about now in this environment. I'm just talking about as a as a player. Like when you go to compete, you know, for locals, are you brewing your own thing? Oh, yeah. Or yeah, you know? yeah. My my stuff is always something something totally different, um, and I think. That's because, you know, I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants. I remember winning uh, a Pokemon tournament once with just, like, some <laughs> random stuff. It was, like, Neo Neo 3 Mag Cargo. He could, you could uh, load him up with energies, and then he had a base damage for three energies. And then every one that you scrapped off of him or discarded from him did, like, an extra 20 damage. So I just load this dude up, and so that was he was like a, an uncommon or something like that, and just like nobody expected. It. I was like, yeah, I'll just run this guy and see what happens. Or nice. my like nobody in Dragon Ball Z was running uh, Saiyan style mastery and Saiyan style uh, Takui Waza, and I ran Vegeta. I had like a promo level one Vegeta and ran Saiyan style, which was all about doing like power level uh, damage. And then you would start chipping away at their life card deck and nobody played that either. So it was just like, I, I, I gravitate to if, if those listening so far over the past 30 something episodes, I like to play characters that I think look cool or uh, some sort of theme, um, not until recently have I started to branch out and put Decepticons with Autobots. Uh, I, I do that uh, willy-nilly now because I know it's... I've, I've broken through the mental barrier. <laughs> There's no way that they could be on the same team. It's just a game, so who cares? Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I just brew my own stuff. And if I lose, I know it's because... You know, it, there's there's stuff I could have been running. I could have dropped, <laughs> you know, uh, 20, 25 bucks to pick up the security checkpoints that I'm missing and put those in there or whatever. So, no, definitely a brewer. Can we all agree um, that uh, Vegeta is better than Goku in every way? Right. He's so awesome. I played totally Nappa topic. deck back in those days. Hmm. Goku is better but than Vegeta. I, I'm sorry. Oh my I, god, that's terrible. Goku is a horrible <laughs> father. Right, just awful, awful dad. Right. Vegeta gets better. Like he he gets better. Like way later, I think. Oh man, Vegeta. Like you know, the they movies, just, maybe. I think his movie Vegeta is probably the best. They gotta throttle. They throttle him back too, man. He should definitely be taking down Goku, but 
you know, for whatever reason, that people Goku and his his fan base is ridiculous. Right? Yeah, I watched. Uh, I haven't watched any of Super, like the series. I've only I watched the first Super movie, like how they introduced Super, uh, like right. God, God Battle or whatever. I watched yeah, that I one. Saw that. It's it's just like the animation style, man, is throwing me off. And then of course now. <laughs> you know 30 years later and they're on like the 17th evolution of the saiyan form and it's hard to even figure out where to jump in and watch that show too because i'll see things that look interesting like the tournament uh like one of the one of the fifteen thousand tournaments that they had going on but they were in like space or something yeah. and then i'll try and figure out where they are in the episodes and i just can't find it you know and i'm watching this show and i'm not about to invest the amount of time that's needed to watch a series at Dragon Ball Z because it'll be like 57 filler episodes for, you know, two seconds of payoff. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't do this. I keep trying to, like, every time I try to go back, I try to start with Dragon Ball and I can only yeah. get so far in Dragon Ball. It's not because of the age. It's just like, I feel like there's it's just, terrible. it's, there's just not a ton happening. No, it's so boring. And like two episodes to charge up one attack that yeah. does nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I do like the old, like, Japanese, like, Toei animation, like, music. Like the... It's like a weird, like... I don't even know how to... It's like, uh... Almost... I don't know how to... I don't know what the type of music is, but it's just like... Like a science... Like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> nice. Okay. I, I see you. I see you. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, we were talking about uh, piloting, and, and that comes down to the, the every turn, like what every turn uh, boils down to. And you, you've got a finite amount of things that you can do on a turn uh, without throwing card plays and, and abilities and things like that into the mix that get you get more out of every turn. But, you know, the, the, the thing that I think is very interesting is who goes first and, and it's it may sound like an old joke uh but this is pretty important because on the first turn all you can do is flip your character to another mode one of your characters and then attack you can't play any of the cards that you have in your hand um until the turn the phase comes back to you and you can attack again then you can you can play uh, one upgrade one action um but the person who goes second gets to uh, gets to uh, play one action or one upgrade. They can't play both until the the third turn comes around or fourth turn. So pretty important. A lot of things that we can unwrap here. Um, so I won't I won't uh, give all the all the benefits away and, and all the cons. But um, Sean, let's let's let you start. What's What's in a turn? Oh, well, I mean, your your turn, you know, even that first turn, there's a lot more to consider than just, oh, I can't play anything or anything. You know, there's, you know, you have a clear field you can attack. So you can always, you know, if you're playing a deck that can one-shot, a, you know, a low, a, a low health bot, you know, that's, you know, going first will be crucial in that point. Whereas, you know, if the other person knows you're playing that kind of deck, them going first will probably be crucial because then they can throw that sacrificial lamb or they can throw that person out there that you're going to have to attack. So, you know, there's there's a lot more than, you know, just, you know, again, more than meets the eye when it comes to, you know, going first or going second. And sometimes even with a you know, a, a deck, you may make it to where, you know, I want to go second on this, you know, I want to, you know, maybe my bots are able to withstand any kind of attack. So I want to go second that way, you know, I can have that first turn where I can, you know, play, you know, play something to be able to buff up my attack or something like that. Now, does that change depending on the matchup going choosing oh, yeah. to go first I mean, or second? Well, I mean, that, that can always change again. It, it all depends on what you think, you know, the other person's playing, you know. And again, this comes into that net decking. So if you're at a big competitive tournament 
and you see, you know, everyone's got pretty much all the same meta guys out there, you pretty much know how those decks might kind of operate, especially if you're, you know, a skilled player. So, you know, being able to go first or go second can disrupt their the flow of their deck because you're taking away that going first or going second away from them. So, you know, there there's a there's you can you can mess up a, you know, a strategy for, you know, a deck for even even a turn or two can, you know, in the end can be that, you know, saving grace for you for, you know, turning that, you know, victory to a loss because maybe that first attack you took less damage than you should have because you know you threw your you you threw your big guy for the first attack that way he has to soak up some damage Brandon Man, that, does uh does Metroplex want to go first or second Metroplex wants to go second right every time all the time and that's one of those one of those critical issues with uh, you know playing Metroplex, right? Which is fine because most people want to go first, and for good reason in this game, right? Just like Sean said, you can one-shot people in this game, or you can devastate somebody where it affects the choices that they have, like who they can attack with now that you've put somebody on tilt already, right? Um but Metroplex, the, the issue with him is he's got a, a thing. He's got a trick. You know, he's got stuff he needs to do. So if he goes first, not only can I not uh, trigger my ability, uh, because, well, there is a very, very small percentage of chance that I can trigger my ability. I'd have to have, um, I have to get a double of one color, right? And then a white and another color and then another double and get another white right something like that like some combination of that to have that ability triggers off and since he's vulnerable after that with nobody else left on the field it's just open skies to let people rain down upon him and it's it's happened several times where you know i basically get one turn and then that's about it going second allows me to one either trigger his ability where I get to bring out a mini bot uh, by using you know like um, whatever that uh, whatever card that lets him you know switch back to a different mode escape route. as my one escape route uh, playing that as my action or um, at the very least using a you know like a height advantage or you know attaching something that's going to give me a better chance of triggering my my ability. So going second for Metroplex is definitely important. So when, you know, and people know that, right? People I've played against understand that. And sometimes it will make them change up their, their style a little bit. Be like, hey, uh, how about you go first? And I'm like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Against a Metroplex or a Trypticon, they'll always go first if I have the choice. Because that's just going to be, I'm going to get that free damage in there with all my guys as best I can. Now, and, are, you know, so. are there other, you guys have played a lot of games, you know, I've played a few. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, every game's, uh, like, first turn rules, like in Magic, what's, what's the stipulation on the first turn? So... Yeah, it's like you said on this one, the only stipulations are uh, you can't play an action, right, um, going first. So you can't play an action, you can't equip going first. The only thing you can do is uh, change modes, flip, and attack. That's it. So you can flip, and you can attack. And you can use it. tap ability, a tap ability, too. Tap ability. Sure. Yeah. Because then, like, in Pokemon, I think there's, um, you can't, well, obviously, you can't, your your character can't um, evolve. Uh, I don't think that you're blocked from attacking in Pokemon on the first turn, but I can't remember. But, um, you know, I, I think I think the flipping in Transformers compared to other games is, or the, the first turn in Transformers is um, loads more important and much more crucial just because the limited all your characters are out at the beginning so there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about okay which which characters am i going to see like in pokemon you may get all of your guys out 
in in the right order that you want them. Um, in Magic, you might draw the right amount of creatures that uh, that you need out in order to make something happen. In Transformers, your your opponent knows okay what's what does this guy have from from a character standpoint? How much total? What's the health pool? The only thing they don't know at the beginning is okay what type of deck is he running? Orange, blue, black, whatever. So and then at least in my experience, unless it's a total blowout, games usually are decided by one turn. It's, you know, five health left, maybe single-digit health, uh, low single-digit health, and one turn, one card draw. It's always the double orange that comes out, and then one person lets out a side. It's like, oh, man, oh, piece of duty came out. What? Improvised shield. <laughs> And it's it's always it's always something like that where uh, I I've think not, most of my games have been nail biters. I've I've had a game where I was playing Dinobots and a guy was playing Omega Supreme, the first big one, and like Warpath, but he was just it was all blue, and I just couldn't. He was he was like two health points between all of his guys, but he had so much defense. I was like, if I could just get one bold if i can get one upgrade or something then i could you know take him out and it was like a stalemate for like three or four turns because of and because he had so much blue my guys he couldn't uh really damage them plus plus i had dinobot so i was using sludge to heal everyone right yeah there's there's definitely those situations of course where it's um it's not as close uh Man, poor Omega Supreme. Uh, but you're right. It definitely comes down to, you know, uh, a crucial turn. You know, you're attacking on the wheel and you got like peace of eternity or something like that. You know, it's it's going first can give you that extra oomph that you need because you had the priority. I mean, it's happened to me. It happened to me at the tournament, right? It was both playing aggro decks go first win basically we we know that right if you're you know if you guys are both playing like heavy orange that's pretty much what what we're looking at you know there's not a whole uh whole bunch of um change in that you know if you're playing a heavily aggro deck you're going to definitely want to go first right and then when you're playing the mirror match it's like whew. and you get three cards and a draw i think i'm going first also so that's not bad. Going second, going second is I think that the way they did it in this game is interesting too because they limited, you know, they had to. I guess they had to limit something, right? Because this game has no resource curve, so it's not like you're building towards your board. Your board is already established when the game starts, uh, so they had to do something that doesn't just automatically let you have every opportunity. And they, the way that they did that, was limiting how how many um how many actions i guess or action types you can play on your first turn or on the opponent's first turn which is the second turn of the game and that being limited to either one upgrade or one action right so uh, you can either upgrade your guy or you can play that action and your opponent has to know that and be paying attention and all that good stuff too so that's an that's an interesting thing, you know. It, it definitely has an effect, right? Because they're, I think they're on, what they got three? Is it three plus one? So on their second turn, they're drawn. They're getting their fourth card as well. That's the deal, right? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and the, yeah, the, but, the initial player didn't get to play any of his cards. So, yeah. Yeah, but you know, again, I think that big the the choosing to be able to attack who you want on that first turn or how you dictate who they attack the next turn is very important. I don't know. I, I I think that's worth not being able to play an upgrade or an action in itself sometimes. Right. Cause so the, there's, there's probably th- three main pillars of, of both. So choosing to go second means, okay, regardless of who they throw at me, there's i'm fine with whoever they throw at me is is basically what you're saying because i either am confident that i can take out that character um but i I want my action i want my upgrade for whatever reason so i can start 
whatever it is that that deck's win condition is um i mean that's 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 what the second turn is it's like okay i want to be able to to start my combo uh as soon as possible and put this person on the back foot um maybe maybe some of my characters are dispensable so i don't care if i if i lose one at the very beginning where the first person gets to kind of decide the hopefully decide the pace of the game it's it's up to that second turn to kind of bring it back to an even keel because your first turn is i get to choose who i want to attack as long as they don't have stealth or brave and then um i get to you know there's there's some benefits to that uh, as well as identifying that strategy and and playing your own game as well so there's a lot that goes into it as opposed to um looking at the surface level things of oh man i uh, i get to play two uh two cards when when the phase gets back to me or when the initiative gets back to me so uh, yeah a lot a lot that goes into that yeah and if you Come. have an optimus and you go first on that then you're probably going to get be able to play an action on that turn anyway there there is a well with the special plays of action there's one i forget there was a ruling about that right so there is a certain card that where you can play an action but you couldn't play it on the first turn but optimus's prime ability does allow you to get past that first turn no action stipulation and i can't think of it right now off the top of my head it makes me so upset i think it's megatron is it a megatron action i'm not sure what is it well i think about it later but you know, depending on the type of deck you're playing too. Also, if you're playing a combo deck, I can see, you know, regardless, a a argument for going second in that situation, because then you get to, you know, like Cam said, you get to initiate your victory condition that much faster by playing an action, you know, drawing some card or whatever, doing doing whatever it is you need to do in order to initiate your victory. Yeah, there's there's plenty of cards out there that that allow you to remove some of the opportunity cost of going first which is playing playing an action and upgrade um such as the omnibots being able to uh if, if your hand is loaded with upgrades uh you get to play an armor weapon and utility right off the get um you've got uh, wheeljack and ratchet from wave three they get to uh, search your deck before the game starts and pull out um, a brainstorm or a medic, uh, trailblazer gets to grab a force field, um, lots of things like that. So there's there's a lot of uh, abilities and steroids and things like that 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 make going first or going second uh, weigh on that that decision. Yeah, and even even when I build decks and after I get it built and I kind of play test it and everything, I already know in my mind this deck prefers second. This deck prefers. So, you know, but I also, I also think that, you know, the, the whole interesting concept, you know, of the, of when you're just, just the whole going, getting to choose if you go first or second is kind of a big deal, you know, just for the game itself, because, you know, I don't think there's very many games like that where you roll the dice and, you know, highest wins or whatever, they go first or whatever, you know, I just like the ability that, Whenever we roll the dice, I get to choose if I go first or I get to go second. Mm-hmm. I think most games operate that same way. If, uh, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but like um, I haven't Yu-Gi-Oh! played Magic, Magic in a while, or, so yeah, it's always because it was uh, it's player draw with Magic. That was the old that well, not even the old because originally going first was just hey, I'm going first and I can draw a card yeah. and I'm just good. But yeah. uh, then they changed it to player draw, which is a pretty good, you know, pretty good method to do it. It's yeah. where you, you know, can either but, get to play first or you get to draw a card first. But I don't think in Magic though, there's probably, I don't know, you know, these days or anything, if there's that as much of a, you know, big a deal as I would say in Transformers of being able to choose, you know, player draw or something. Uh, very significant. Uh, it's pretty significant magic, right? So, okay. yeah, yeah, pretty. You know, for the most part, it, it's yeah, it, it's substantial. And most people would choose to go first, yeah. Especially since uh, magic has the resource curve, right? So, 
at best, you know, typically there are outliers, but you get to play one resource per turn and then use those resources to get that. So if you go first, you are ahead of the curve, right? You get to be a turn ahead on resource accumulation, right? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Do you know uh, if there's, is there an official rule that uh, if somebody goes first or like winner, winner gets to choose or loser gets to choose turn order in subsequent games? Okay. Yeah. Loser gets to choose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Loser gets. Okay. So in best two out of three, loser chooses turn. Correct. Cool. That that gives you an idea of like, okay, well, that didn't go so well for me or. (laughs) Exactly. Usually, usually what happens is uh, you two, uh, you'll start out the first game. The guy who goes first will win and then you'll go to game two. And then the guy who who lost will now go first and then he'll get that W and then you'll go to game three. And that's when it sucks. But, you know, the guy, especially if you guys are playing aggro decks or, you know, the guy who gets to go first wins. So that's why some people get salty because yeah. they're like, uh, it's all about that coin flip. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Go first that win. R- that RNG. Yeah, and thankfully there's they've limited the amount of RNG in this game in terms of coin flips and uh, things like that. Cause that oh, the, the Battletech card game had dice rolls and <laughs> coin flips. It had everything. It was great. I still well, love that game. That's what, I mean... Dragon Ball Z didn't have any RNG at all, but, you know, Pokemon, it was insane. It's like, okay, your character's asleep and doesn't wake up, and, like, you, you have to flip coins, and if you get ahead, it's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. The game it's can like be... You, oh, my gosh. It's like you open a starter, and there's little five cards of tokens, and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is confused. This is confused and poison. This is poisonedly confused, and this is kind of sleep. Uh, yeah, I got a bunch of Pokemon cards of like 20 or 30 packs worth and a few starters opened them up. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a lot more complicated than I remember. So yeah. I don't think I'll be going into this. <laughs> Man, I saw recently again off topic as I derailed the podcast. Uh, I was watching with the, the wife, this guy who was opening a first like the first edition booster packs mm-hmm. from like 99 or whatever, 98 or whatever it was. And, uh, this dude pulled, it was, uh, it was a, ended up being a 20, $27,000 booster pack. Right. And I guess the booster packs themselves are going for like sealed 10 grand, but he, uh, pulled out a foil something or other. It wasn't a Charizard. But it was, I guess, one of the, the big foil cards or whatever at that time. It was like twenty thousand dollars. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. He was, uh, of course, amped uh, as, oh, yeah, as yeah. anybody would be. Right. Oh, but you know how much did that box cost him? <laughs> yeah, unless he <laughs> yeah. found it, like, because you know, there's still probably some out oh, there yeah. at old. Yeah old rinky dink you know bob's stadium baseball that has yeah. has stuff sitting in the clearance section that has never been picked up i've seen that i've been to i've been to card shops i remember i was uh, at a card shop and it was a mainly Yu-Gi-Oh card shop like they didn't do there were two card shops in this town this was actually in <laughs> this was in uh space uh, not the space coast but um in california in a place called the antelope valley and there was a card store called uh, Basis, Basis Cards or whatever. And it was sports cards and all that stuff. And they had the Yu-Gi-Oh! And then there was another store called Battlegrounds, which is downtown. And they had the Magic on lock, right? So I would go, my buddy was like, hey, I play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was like, well, I don't play Yu-Gi-Oh! But I guess I'll start. And I noticed they had some like old booster packs. They had like alliances. So I was like, how much of those alliances pack? Because alliances had force of wills in them, which were going for like seventy-five bucks a pop, right? Yeah. So I was yeah. like, and they were uncommon. <laughs> and I was like, uh, let me let me go ahead and get all those because I think they were charging like five bucks or ten bucks a pack or whatever. And I was like, let me, let me just let me just go ahead and do that. So oh my God. note for the kitties: uh, check out those check out those stores that you know sell off games 
you might be able to scoop some of that up. Oh no, I was in I was in hometown, uh, like small town Oklahoma, you know, and like this is around like, oh, I'd probably say like uh, this is after Ice Age, after Fourth Edition, and everything. There was a mom and pop sports card shop in town and they decided to try to get in on the magic craze because there's a bunch of us magic in in the town and everything so they ordered a whole bunch of different stuff so we were going in there a lot regularly and buying stuff and then we went in there one day and then they know we noticed that they had some starters and boosters of unlimited and we were like oh so we were like oh how much of those was like Oh well, you know they're just nine 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 and two ninety nine, and we're like, how much do you have? And they had, <laughs> they had, they had six boxes of starters and three boosters, three booster boxes. I I picked it went, all up. <laughs> went to the payphone outside. I called my buddy, and he went and got mine and my other buddy. We pulled all of our money together, bought everything they had at retail value. And oh, we made some. We put, we pulled like lotuses. We pulled moxes. We pulled tons of dual lands. Oh, we were in heaven. That yeah, you don't find that much anymore. <laughs> Hopefully, oh yeah, I'll have to keep some of my booster pack. Although that doesn't happen anymore, but I'll have to keep some of these booster packs sealed up. You know, for this game. Hopefully, it uh, blows up. Yeah, I think nuclear. I think the main one to to get a hold of and keep would be the uh, the SDCC one with Slipstream on the front, the black booster. I mean, mm-hmm. yep. opening I that, them. especially with the Energon edition, having playable versions of those characters and, and battle cards, there's no reason to open that thing up unless you just, I mean, you don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can buy, keep and it, it and buy, buy the other cards loose because there's, uh, there's not going to be any more of those and you know, Transformers uh, has been around for over 30 years. So it, it also has a lasting appeal just because of the IP. So even even dead games, you know, like you know, I, I was looking prices on just on eBay and stuff and TCG player looking old games like Legends of the Five Rings and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, battle even battle tech cards and stuff. I was like, yeah, they're dead games, but a they were still fun games to play. Uh, they still have a base out there that you know still want to play it, and there's a lot of people who like to play dead games and stuff. And you know, and it all based on the IP as well. You know, if it's got a lasting IP, even if a game dies, it could still be worth something. You know, later on or you know, it could die and then, you know, everything will just be worthless because, uh, you know, who cares? Yeah. Dragon Ball Z Hero Starter Deck uh, from set one, 25 bucks or best offer. Uh, some some have sold for 50 So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely... Mm-hmm. I mean... It all depends on the IP and if it was still a fun game. If it was still a fun game, there's still going to be the nerds out there who will open up a little bit of money. Like, I lost all my Babylon 5. I was looking on eBay. I was like, oh, for just a little bit of money, I could buy some some of these boosters and these boosters and these booster boxes and maybe build up a little collection again. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all for, had me... For, Y'all made me you know, go on on the old interwebs here and take a look at uh, like L5R and some of these old cards. Like they got forty dollar L5R cards. I'm telling you, insane. Even even some of the old ancestral swords and some of the first you know editions, like you know Hatoris and false Hatoris and stuff. Or you know, again, there's still the the that hardcore fan base out there. And they'll still keep getting other people in, and they'll be like, oh, "I'll just go on eBay and get some of those," you know. And so, as long as there's, you know, that's going out there, even even dead games can still be worth something and still have a player base. If I if I knew of some people around here who'd want who played BattleTech, I'd play with them. Hell, I got every card in the game, so let's. I you can make three, <laughs> four decks out of my out of my. And that's the great thing about it. 
Yeah, I had uh, the Gundam Wing card game. I think we only ever bought like the Tall Geese and like um, Wing Zero deck. I think that was all we had. Then there was the Harry Potter card game. When the books first came out, it's it's crazy how many uh, how many card games came and went. Yeah, like one 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 of my fun one of the funnest card games I had like actually playing with other people was the old WWF card game. Mm. That was that was just fun to play with with uh, especially with other wrestling fans. That was just we'd have like tournaments with like 12, 14 people in it, all wrestling fans, all playing their favorite wrestlers, all you know playing the weird decks and stuff, and it was great. That that. That card game is so 90s, I hear Blink-182 in my head right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spin Doctors. Oh, that, that, Spin it, doctors. It, was, it was 90s, but it was great. I loved it. And and they had a good tournament system with it, too. They had good tournament support for that game. That was one thing, at least, that that, that game had. Yeah, man, I miss the, um, the structured tournaments for uh, Pokemon. Toys R Us, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh Pouring had, out. had uh, like an official like league situation going on where you came in, you got your book, it had spots for stamps, and you got X amount of stamps just for showing up. And then if you got a win, you got stamps, and then you would get promos on like certain mile marker, like stamp markers, and then you would get badges depending on the month it was and time of the year for you would get whatever that enamel pin badge was. And man, that's like. That's a yes, com- that was Wizards too back that this was all when yep. Wizards still had the IP and was well, publishing that's it. That's also that's also when they started uh, the um, the like season plays and stuff for for Magic where they had the winter, the summer, the spring, and they had like the you know the the I think it was the beginning of the the first like Planeswalkers cards or some of the big oversized cards that you got for the. For the seat for playing in the season, and if you reach so many, you know, points and everything, is their first like structured, uh, like kind of league play and stuff, season league play. Even in like your each card for each season and everything. Man, I I remember like a buddy of mine. You should talk about Toys R Us and how they had those uh, those games. But I think he played Yu-Gi-Oh at Toys R Us, so I guess they had the similar thing going on there at the same time yeah because they what they would do is they would get you know one well-meaning person uh you know like the the captain or whatever wasn't a toys r us employee but was willing to take you know league night tuesday night or whatever it was friday night and run it for two three hours and keep everything kosher and, you know, I don't know if there was any kickback where if he got, you know, his pick of the cards or if they slid him 50 bucks or, or if it was just they like would, they gave gave the front front half of the store to him. But no, I know, I know like some, like that person would usually be a Watsy rep and like running those type of events. They would earn like so many points and then mm-hmm. they can use those points to uh, to get stuff. So, I mean, like. Like doing like an event like that, especially if they got like 20, 25 people, they probably get enough points to get like a whole booster box. Plus, they'd get, you know, copies of each of the promos and all that. Some of them would even get like special foil promos for themselves. Yeah. And I think obviously, you know, with all that comes money. And this maybe this can be uh, the next the next episode, but it would be would be nice to see those care packages come through with like instead of just like hey do what you want with them which thankfully that's that came in handy with covid we all got to go home or most of us got to go home with uh arcana tidal wave and um you know all those promos but um you know just uh you know having one for every wpn store like hey find some dude in your or lady in your uh area that wants to be the transformers tcg person you know frank comes to mind but actually give them you know give them the ability to like prize support and things like that to to actually have uh, you know a recurring player base 
and a lot of the recurring player base not to sound you know like that come out to those things kids parents are like oh you know you get the parents to just like any sort of like recurring thing that the kid can do you know case in point i was at toys r us uh until they stopped doing that i think i can't remember that far back but it'd be great to have like a road to iacon season or something like that where it's like hey transformers thursdays come on down and your your local whatever whatever is is running the the tournament first hour is this second hour is uh all uh, pairing up and playing against each other well well i think i think the internet destroyed that the the old the old rep systems because like i used to rep for aig for l5r and clay and wars miniature game uh watsy for a little bit and precedence entertainment for babylon 5 i did for decipher for star trek and star wars and you know they always had you know like with uh with decipher you know if you got a tournament that had about like 20 25 people or so you know you they would send you not only like a box of prize support but you usually got like a booster box or something just for you know the time of running that because a big tournament like that especially like a star wars tournament be like a six seven eight hour ordeal sometimes yeah because you know so you know and like aig for like clan war and um uh, L5R, they did like a little points thing. So after so many points, you'd be able to, you know, get like a booster box or a collection of starters. Uh, usually when new sets came out, they just sent you a box of, of you know, of that booster, some precedence for Babylon 5. You should send me like three or four boxes just, just ahead advance. So they'd say like, oh, one box for you, keep the other three for you know, the, the next, you know, month or two of tournaments. Cause I was running B5 tournaments once every two weeks or so. So how do you say <clears> that <throat> the internet ruined, ruined that well, rep well, system? Well, because back then the, the tournaments relied on that, that your, your reps, you know, the, the reps would go to the card stores like, Hey, what do you got tonight, tonight, tonight? So some reps could, you know, make a pretty good, you know, racket, you know, not really a racket, but they can really feed their own games by, you know, running three or four tournaments a week at different card stores and stuff like that. So the card stores are getting their tournaments. They're not really doing anything to do it. Business is coming in. But now with the Internet, it's all direct. Now it's the store guys are doing it. It's the store guys, here's our schedule, come in, what's your DCI number, we enter it in. It, it's a store employee usually. Mm-hmm. So, so there is no more reps that, you know, kind of go around and, and really, you know, guys who are maybe passionate about the game trying to get the game in other card stores that aren't running them now. So well, now you know, it's, that's almost, that's kind of a recent thing, right? Because of all the, the whole Watsy situation with employees, unplayed volunteers, all that business with the judging and all that stuff that's always been an issue yeah. and it's always been there in the background but what two years ago that's when the 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 yeah, fecal matter hit the rotary ago. oscillator yeah about two or three years ago when the pedo scandal started or something no oh <laughs> or, god no no i hadn't heard about that i'm talking about oh. when um the because with uh, Watsi had these judges working for like, you know, 12, 16 hours at a time or whatever. And then there was like questions about payment and who's going to, you know, who's running these things because there are rules that they have to follow and oh, they have yeah. to do these things. But then they were like, you're not employees. We're going to have to pay you. And then uh, that's when the, the government got involved and they were oh, like, yeah. We we put a stop to that. Yeah. Right? Well, well, that's also kind of changed when you know when Watsi went over to Hasbro too. When it went total corporate, right? I mean, back back in the day, game game companies they 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 liked their games. You know, Watsi liked their games. Decipher liked their games. You know, they they wanted the volunteers to go out there and do it, and you know, we'll pay you and everything. You know, when when I would go to big cons, I would judge and 
hey, I got free stuff when I judged and everything. Right. So, they you know, you, it, I, yeah. So it, it wasn't a big, it wasn't a question of like, hey, what are you going to give me? You know, it was like, you know, hey, thanks for, you know, judging. You always knew something was going to come up, you know. So I don't know, maybe that kind maybe all that culture changed whenever they went over to Hasbro in the, you know, the the mid knots or whatever. So but that that's also since I've been out of the card gaming scene too. Mm-hmm. Well definitely interesting stuff. Uh probably something to to look into and uh crack open in the next episode. Um but hey, if we got anything wrong, uh which we may have let us know. Uh, shoot us a, a note on Twitter or Facebook. Send it to doublepipcast at Gmail. Straight up yell at us. Um, and uh, until next time, you know, I've been Cameron. We've had Brandon and Sean. And uh, thank you all for listening. And thank you guys for uh, talking tonight. Later on, people. Yeah, take it easy.